Hello and welcome back to Panthers for Life Weekly, Spotify's number one podcast for Middlebury College Athletics. It's been another awesome weekend for the Panthers, and we are pumped to bring you along for the ride. My name is Cole, and I'm joined by my friends, Ben, Ian, Sam, Nima, Dan here. Hmm. You may have just heard some new names in our traditional PFL intro. Well, I'd like to take this chance to welcome two huge friends of the pod, Nima Kotika and Ian Bolton. Nima and Ian are two of our good friends, and we were super excited to welcome them on for this episode of PFL Weekly. I'll let them introduce themselves to you. Hey, I'm Ian, an avid mid-sports fan and longtime PFL listener. Being on this podcast is a dream come true, and I've been amazed by the professionalism and breadth of knowledge displayed by the hosts. Hey, I'm Nima. been friends with Cole and the guys for a while and always wanted to be a part of the podcast. So I would like to thank them for giving me this amazing opportunity to come on and talk about mid-athletics. Men's and women's squash teams are on hold going into the break, opening up competition again at the start of the new year. The women will travel to Georgetown and the men will travel to play Navy before both go to Pennsylvania to take on Dickinson and F&M. Both teams are off to a great start. The best in program history for the men. We had the privilege of talking to sophomore standout Julian Sandoval on last week's episode to talk all things Middlebury squash. Go check it out. The men's skating Panthers faced another tough weekend, falling one to three on the ninth at Hamilton and were shut out zero to six by the Amherst College Mammoths on the 10th. They'll be back again, though, as they host the Middlebury Holiday Classic from the 31st to the 1st after a bit of a break to reset and recharge. The number nine nationally ranked Middlebury College women's ice hockey team earned a strong non-conference win against UMass Boston on Saturday by a score of three to one. Senior Jenna Terry continued her offensive production for the Panthers, tallying a goal and an assist. The team has a break for the next few weeks, but will return to action at Kenyon on January 4th versus Lake Forest College before traveling down to Beverly, Mass to take on Endicott College in a rematch for their opening round NCAA tournament game last season. Hello, Panther Nation. I've got a tidbit of trivia that's sure to bring some oohs and ahs. Ooh. Ah. Anyways, the ninth-ranked women's hockey team has been playing real well most recently with a win over UMass Boston, where the pants won three to one. The only Beacon's goal was the first time they scored on us in how many games? Is it A, three games, B, five games, C, nine games, or extra D? Trick question. It was their first ever matchup. What do my correspondents have to say? If I know one thing, I know Middlebury women's ice hockey is dominant. I wouldn't be surprised if it was C, nine straight games, shutting out the Beacons. You know what, Cole? I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Well, I know that Middlebury is basically Hockey Town, USA. I think Boston may have a stronger claim to that. So I'm going to say, as much as I love and respect our women's ice hockey team, it's only been three games. Nah, no way. Mid is just so dominant, it has to be C. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but they just scored on us. It has to be E, zero games. Dan, you're not wrong, but that's not really what I was asking. The correct answer is B. Five consecutive shutouts for women's hockey against UMass Boston Beacons. They hadn't scored on us since 2010. 
I was in second grade. Women's ball has been nothing short of balling this past week with three wins, no losses. That's six and oh between both the men's and women's teams in the past week. How do they do it? Well, let me tell you how, Cole. D-E-F-E-N-S-E. Defense. They say it wins championships. And the way the ladies have been playing, they could do just that. No opponent has scored more than 30 points on them in the past week, and they've won by more than 20 in each game. Their steadfast defense is really something to marvel at. They'll put the clamps on again against Babson at the end of the month in the Pearson Memorial Tournament. But for now, they've finished their play for the fall semester. Thanks, Sam. The fellas had a hot week on the court, going 3-0 with the average margin of victory being greater than 20. They've continued to be led by Sobel on the interior, and we've seen more of a guard Noah Osher, who's averaging 14.1 points per game on the season. The Panthers are taking a well-deserved break after starting their season 8-1. They'll play next on the 29th against SUNY New Paltz in the Eastern Holiday Invitational. Real good basketball from the Panthers as of late. You can say that again, Ian. We're traveling back to Pepin Gymnasium for this week's Stat of the Week, or should I say Stat Line of the Week, this time to talk about the men's basketball team. The number 12-ranked Panthers have been on a tear so far this season, winning all of their games in the past week. In a 73-53 victory over Skidmore this past Friday, standout big Alex Sobel had a career game, logging 29 points, 20 rebounds, and 7 blocks. Looking forward to see what Sobel will do the rest of the season. Both the men's and women's swimming squads recorded a dub against Springfield College on the 10th, Cole. On the men's side, Riley Griffiths had himself a heck of a day, winning the 100 free and 100 butterfly and teaming up with Andrew Dew, Sam Hughes, and Aiden McKendrick to snag another win in the 200 free relay. On the women's side, first-year Leah Smith recorded her first collegiate victories in the one-meter and three-meter diving competitions. From all of us here at PFL Weekly, welcome to the dub club, Leah. The women's next competition isn't until January 7th at Colby, while the men will have to wait an extra day before heading over to Bowdoin. This week, we talked to Kara Fritz, one member of a strong legion of swimming Panthers. So I'll just start us off. Um, we always like to ask a why mid question. Um, so I'll ask it. Why did you choose Middlebury? And what was your journey uh, to joining the swim and dive team here like? Yeah, so um, I think the first kind of part of mid that I looked at was definitely like the academic piece. I'm an environmental studies major and a creative writing minor and Middlebury is kind of the place to be for both those things. Um, but also as far as swimming goes, I, you know, talked to a couple of coaches, but uh, coach Bob was really just super great. And I liked that Middlebury has kind of the men's team with the women's team. I think that makes it a lot like training a lot more exciting and training like a lot more dynamic when you're practicing kind of with the other team versus some other schools do it differently. They split it. Um, and I also just really liked kind of the coaching, like, I guess, approach to it, like the way he kind of framed it with swimming, you can kind of certain coaches are, are big on kind of more yardage, less yardage. And he's really big on like intentional swimming, which for me kind of moving my swim career into college was pretty important, like being super intentional with why we're doing what we're doing. So I think honestly, 
coach was probably like the the deciding factor for mid just because you know I could really see myself being on that team and then also like meeting the team was was super great and realizing that you know swimming is kind of a sport where you are on your own but you also like it's a lot made a lot better by the people who you're with so seeing that the team was so many nice people and such like a good environment was definitely the kind of the deciding factor for me yeah I mean so did you have a fairly similar experience uh when you swam before college or has Middlebury felt like a pretty big shift in kind of team culture and, and coaching I think as far as culture goes, it's pretty similar. I swam primarily just for my high school team, actually with, with Cole at CCHS, but, um, I wasn't like someone who was on a club team. Most of my other teammates are coming from more of like a high school and club or just club background. So the social piece felt, felt pretty similar. I was coming from a a large team at CCHS and it was kind of similar, good energy, a lot of social events, kind of that piece, but the training piece for me was definitely entirely different, you know? my last year was my first year on the team and I was having practices where, you know, maybe it was the most yards I've ever swam consecutively in my life, just because I didn't kind of come from that place where we were doing a ton of yards. I was more just doing swimming because I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed doing it for my, for my high school. So the training was definitely different in terms of, it was just a lot, there was a lot more of it. You know, we practice, I think nine times a week and it's a lot of time in the water, but also the, the way that uh, we swim is different. Like we're broken up into, you know, different groups, certain days, you know, you're broken up based on, on, on cardio. If you, if you're having like, kind of like, I'm a distance swimmer, so I tend to do more yardage and some days we're broken up by event. So you have people who are doing, you know, butterflies, swimming butterfly together, people who are swimming backstroke, swimming backstroke together. And I had never really seen that kind of like really super specialized training where every single person is doing something that's like super tailored to what they need to be doing that week. And like at, with, at mid with our coaches, you also can switch it up a lot. So you have people who one week will do one thing, but the next week we'll be doing something entirely different based on what they feel like they need. So that was definitely the training piece was a massive shift, but I think a super positive shift in terms of being able to try something new that also really pushed me to, to swim a lot faster. Great. Yeah. And so it seems like this training structure has, has certainly seemed to pay off. You guys want a really close meeting against Springfield college yesterday. I think it yeah. was, I look at my notes, it's a 154 to 146 on points. So a pretty tight margin there. And so I'm just curious what it felt like to win such a close meet to improve to, to two and one team record. Yeah. I think Springfield's an interesting one because they're not in the NESCAC. So you never really kind of know what to expect. And they definitely, I think came in wanting to beat us and, you know, having, having rested a lot more than we had been resting. We've been kind of tra- having a hard week of training. So I think we got there and realized that it was going to be probably a lot closer than we thought going into it, but came out on top and kind of it was definitely different than our meet against Khan um a little while back for the for the for the women's team that was a a massive victory but kind of the opposite the men's team it came down to that last relay which at Khan was super super fun to watch kind of and rare when you see you know everyone cheering for that final race because it determines who's gonna who's gonna win Kara, you talked a little bit about your coach uh, Bob Rappel <laughs> right um uh, he's super decorated, right? Uh, he's produced 19 All-Americans on the women's side, brought the team to two third-place finishes in the NESCAC. I mean, could you talk a little bit more as to like what makes him such a great coach and, and sort of your experience under him? Yeah, I think he is super connected to all of his athletes, which really helps. He really wants to know what you're doing both in and out of the pool, and his door is always open, which is super helpful when you're you know, on a team that has so many people and so many different events, but I think being 
coached by someone who really wants to be coaching you all of the time and wants to know what you're up to is, is super important. I'd say he's, he's incredibly communicative and super organized, which I've really appreciated. Like it's, it's nice to know what you're doing down to the time and with swimming, that's super important. So having someone who's so capable and also so excited about, about leading us is great, but I would say like the communication pieces has been super inspiring watching the way that he talks to us as a team and really motivates us and get and and frames every single thing we do, whether it's in practice, in the weight room, at a meet, and and kind of giving us the reason as to why it's important and why we're doing it and what we're going to get out of it. So I think also he he's just really loved by our team. It was great at con. I think don't quote me on this, but giving him his 200 and 201st career wins, that was just really exciting for everyone. And he, you know, he never even brought that up. We like He's super humble and super focused on us, but I think we're super grateful to get to be coached by him, but also we want, we want to be able to reflect all the work that's gone into the program. And um, he definitely also is just super great at giving us what we need to succeed and writing workouts specifically for us, telling us what, you know, if we tell him that I want, if I say, you know, I want to do a sprint practice today he would probably be surprised because I swim the mile, but he would work with me on it and figure out, you know, why I'm feeling the need to do something, you know, faster intervals or what, what each swimmer needs to kind of feel like they are set up best to compete. And so building on that topic of leadership, uh, the team has brought in a lot of young talent this year, notably mm-hmm. first year's Hannah Baumgartner, Isabel Pentanoy, and Elise Scott. Uh, and so, you know, coach, coach Rappel has been a great leader, but how do you see yourself as a mentor and leader for this young talent as well going forward? Yeah. Um, the three people you mentioned that they're just incredible swimmers and incredible people. It's super awesome when, you know, I think every year, the first years, you know, last year it was us, but come in super hungry and super ready to compete and super, honestly, super in shape compared to, compared to the rest of us. And they just have had such incredible meet performances and it's been great to watch and see people come in on such strong notes. But yeah, I think it's, it's really nice to be able to set the example of kind of the energy that we want to have on the team and the sense of community and lifting each other up that, you know, yes, it's kind of an individual sport, but it's also, like you said, we win or lose as a team and having kind of the underclassmen come in and both being, you know, being fast swimmers and being a part of that side of the team and, you know, training alongside them and, and kind of showing the ropes of, you know, how we do practices and mid's a little different. We do like a color system for our practices. So everything is kind of based on your heart rate. So if, uh, sorry about that, if, you know, a practice says do this at pink, that's a certain correlative heart rate. So we're always kind of training with that in mind. And that's definitely an adjustment, I think for our first year sometimes, but I think, you know, also a piece of that is the energy and like bringing them into a team and making them see that they are so valued and every single person on our team has their place and brings so much to what we do both in and out of the water. So I think it's also just super great to see the people who are coming in and who are performing so well are also people who are really buying into the team energy and who are really dedicated to being on this team and, you know, excited about it and so excited about it that it makes you remember why you love being on it and doing it so much, but also, people who you see are going to continue to kind of build that energy and build, like build our program and keep getting us, you know, faster and faster, which is ultimately a big part of what we're working toward. Yeah. So final question, I think. 
So final question. Um, every interview, I love asking a random, super bizarre animal-based question. And yeah, today's no exception. So hypothetically, if you were to put a golden retriever, a moose, a bear, a duck, and a baboon into the pool, each in their own lane, in in this hypothetical, they are forced to stay in their lane. Which one do you think could swim the fastest hundred meters? Mm. Can I have my options one more time, please? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was it was a few. It was a few. Um, golden retriever, moose, bear, duck, baboon. Mm. I want to say say duck but if we were in sh in shallow water now i'm not so i don't know how fast a moose can kind of like power its way through the water like if it was able to just kind of run through it but can they do they have to touch the ground or can they no no, no they have to swim they have to, they swim. Have to I actually assume, swim i did not research whether moose can swim i assume they can swim assume that they can swim okay <laughs> i really don't think baboons can swim though that's my that's i'm ruling them out i don't i can't imagine that i mean and I feel like golden retrievers aren't super speedy. So I, I think I would have to say, I feel like ducks can kind of zoom. Like if, you, if I had like enough bread and I was just kind of like bribing it along, I bet it could, like, mm. I'd say, That's, yeah. You think exactly. you could coach it, coach it to I think I could coach it. I think I could, I could really kind of condition it to just go straight and race all the way across. But I, yeah. I think a bear could be a close second, maybe. All right. Wait, next level question. <laughs> what would win, a duck coached by you or a bear coached by Coach Rupel? Mm. See, that's hard because my method was going to be just the bread. And I feel like he would, like, sometimes he has us, like, put on, like, in a, like, we're wearing, like, parachutes and, like, pulleys. And I feel like his, his, he's got, like, some good ideas about, like, I feel like he would get that bear, like, in a cap and goggles and it would be zooming. Like, mm -hmm. it would be, it would be motivated. It would be, Maybe then the bear, because I, I I don't know what bears are motivated by, but I feel like I've seen them like in the water getting like those, those fish, which could be also kind of exciting. Definitely. That's a final answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> that, that's the hardest question we usually ask. Yeah. Let, let me just stress that. Um, <laughs> um, I think that's it for, for us on our end. So thanks again so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah. You guys have a little bit of a break, but good luck when you guys resume competition in January. Yeah, we're heading to Florida on the 27th to train. So Ooh. we're super excited. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, take care and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good break. That's it for us from the PFL studio here in the Middlebury campus office. It has been another memorable week for Middlebury College Athletics, and it has been our distinct pleasure to keep you, Panther Nation, up to date on things. Before we sign off for the week, the PFL crew and I would like to thank Ali Paquette, Director of Athletics Communications, Charles Krauts, Senior Sports Editor for the Middlebury Campus. As always, it's a great day to be a Panther. Thank you.